Well, hello, everybody. It's <laughs> like I go into a different voice. I didn't <laughs> mean to do that. It's your radio voice. I know. Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, welcome back to this week's podcast. I am here with the wonderful Cara. How are you, mate? I'm all right, Caitlin. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. It's a stormy, weird day. I actually yeah. feel like it's one of those days where you just don't want to go outside. I don't know. No. You said it was rainy where you are. Yeah, it's raining. It's windy. The power went out. I had to go out to the power box in the rain. It was what a mare. Absolute <laughs> mare. But the power's back on now, so we're not podcasting in the dark. So that's important. Thank God. Imagine <laughs> oh my God. that would have that would have um, sort of added to the um, ambiance, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but yeah, well, this week we're talking about movie soundtracks, which yes. is actually one that I'm surprised it's maybe taking us this long. To get to because it's one of my favorite things obviously like for both of us music and movies are two of our great passions Mm -hmm. hence why we do this podcast is makes up most of the content I guess yeah but I'm definitely someone that listens to a lot of movie soundtracks just for fun I don't know what Mm -hmm. are you what are you like with movie soundtracks I think the thing that I like about movie soundtracks is that it gives you the experience of watching the movie without watching the movie yeah Like one of my favorite things about like, especially, you know, when we were going to the cinema a lot more often and maybe in our teenage years, that was one of the, you know, cool things you could do when you got home besides like Wikipedia-ing all the actors, which is a classic me maneuver. Um, But to listen to the soundtrack kind of, you know, because we would often emulate outfits that we saw people wearing or like things like that. Um, Like I remember, you know, for example, with Juno being obsessed with orange Tic Tacs and the hamburger phone and all that kind of stuff. And soundtracks is another way that you can kind of create or carry on that movie world into your own uh, very boring life, you know? Yeah. Like it makes no, it a bit 100%. more vibrant and yeah. um, kind of brings back those memories of watching the movie and thinking of the scenes and all that kind of stuff. And also, as we'll get into in today's episode, some of these soundtracks are just absolutely banging. Like, yeah, definitely. I mean, we've got some really good ones on this list. And I, I'm the same. Like, it's just a way to reconnect with a film without yeah. yeah actually going to the effort of watching it <laughs> because well and I've mentioned this before I am like the rewatch rate on my like in my life is ridiculous like I probably rewatch stuff more than I watch new stuff yeah so um it sort of cuts out <laughs> cuts a little bit out of out of my watching time but mm. I've always looked at soundtracks as like a mixtape from your favorite directors yeah. you know and I guess too like you know, directors probably get a lot of credit and soul credit for movie soundtracks, but mm-hmm. um, I found a really great article about uh, music supervisors on film mm-hmm. and obviously yeah. how they're like a massive part of the process of picking. Yeah. Of, well, not only finding the songs, but also like getting, like securing the usage for songs yes. and stuff like that because yeah. that's a huge part of it, like royalties and whatnot. But I read a fantastic article last night. There was an interview with a lady named Karen Rockman think that's mm-hmm. how you pronounce her last name and she was a supervisor on movies like clueless pulp fiction boogie nights and like a bunch more and it was really interesting to see not only like her perspective on you know going back you know back in the day rustling through like crates of cassettes yeah to now yeah. like if you think about how mm-hmm. much that's changed so highly recommend that yeah. article just as a side note um i thought that was uh, really interesting but um yeah, I guess too, like I've I've sort of approached this one a little bit differently. I think we talked 
a little bit quickly last night about like I was like, have you used scores <laughs> in your yeah. in your list? Because in my mind, I separate the two. Like ah, I interesting. Yeah, I don't know why. So I guess I kind of wanted to do a caveat as well, being like, I love film scores. I haven't included any in mine today. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's just like a a thing in my mind, but yeah, I don't know. I guess. Because I think uh, there are some movies that have a combination of both, like score and um, yeah. like, you know, use of existing songs, which I find really interesting. Yeah. For me, a lot of the scores that I've chosen, I think, is there only, there's probably only, oh no, there's two on my list um, that are score based. Um, I actually got the opportunity to play ah, a lot cool. of these scores um, in either in, I was in community brass band growing up or in concert at Bandit School so that was another cool part about movie soundtracks and we used to do like a lot of different movie soundtracks that weren't just score based Mm -hmm. um and a lot of you know movie musicals and all that kind of stuff as well and playing oh that's a whole other element to it as well like the musical aspect which we've done a whole episode on but yeah so I tried not to choose any like musical ones um but it's yeah, so a lot of the score-based ones that I've chosen, we got the opportunity to play. So for me, that was another really cool part of the experience was like sitting down for concert band or whatever and getting to play these, some like really iconic themes. Yeah. Um, because I think a lot of movie soundtracks are known for their themes as well. Sure. So you think about, you know, your Jurassic Parks or like, I was just like, oh, should I put, you know, my heart will go on on this well, list? Yeah. Like how, <laughs> you know, like what's the rest of the Titanic soundtrack like? That's, Couldn't tell you. And you know what I, th- that song. I think that's why in my, because I was like, okay, this usually, and I think recently we've done a couple of episodes that have been really like, I guess, sort of limited in genre or, you know, yeah. like last week we did the Australiana sort of thing. Yeah. So we sort of were within some boundaries whereas for this one it was like okay we we don't yeah. have any genre it's just yeah, a theme exactly so I guess maybe that was why because I was like oh god I've got so many to pick from but I sort of I kind of wanted to mention um a couple of school film scores that I really like Ennio Morricone I think is how you yes. pronounce it the good the bad yep. the ugly absolute legend Bernard Herman who did the psycho score and worked a lot with Alfred Hitchcock um, and Clint Mansell, who did Requiem for a Dream. They're mm. some of my favourite ones, but, you know, like Titanic. Talk about musical moments. But anyway, this was a big <laughs> intro for yes. this episode. I think your first one is probably <laughs> the most notable, I would say, or probably yep. maybe the most popular of our yeah. list. So do you want to kick us off with your yes. first one? I'm so excited already to listen back to the edit with all of these songs in it's here. It's going to be so good. Like, it's going to be so good. So the first choice, so we've done a top three and honorable mentions yeah. today because we're going to probably talk for far too long about each one with movies as we tend to do. But I wanted to choose one of my favourite movies from my childhood and teen years, which was Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I know, uh, especially recently, we're not massive fans of Harry Potter anymore, given uh, J.K. Rowling's, you know, ridiculous, unnecessary stances on various things. Um, But I will acknowledge that Harry Potter was a huge part of, you know, my childhood, and I was absolutely obsessed with the books and the films and have been to visit the theme parks and, you know, the whole deal. And the Harry Potter theme, uh, which is Hedwig's theme, was uh, written and composed by John Williams, 
uh, for the first film, which would have been back in 1999-2000. Super iconic, instantly recognisable as the Harry Potter theme. to put that one in there but I specifically chose Prisoner of Azkaban as well because it had the introduction of the uh, frog chorus doing double double Um, so you know double 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 bubble toil and trouble Um, and if you go to the Wizarding World theme parks you can watch the frog chorus perform the song the parks they have you know the music playing and all that kind of stuff and there are some really beautiful orchestral pieces throughout the Harry Potter films but particularly in Prisoner of Azkaban but it was just one of those tunes that like immediately when you hear it and we talked about iconic themes you know Jurassic Park and Chariots of Fire oh yeah um, you know all of those sort of different and like James Bond and like all these different you know super iconic um, theme songs yeah. or Mission Impossible, obviously with James Bond theme changes every movie, which is again a whole other conversation. But <laughs> Harry Potter is one of those ones that, as soon as you hear, or at least for me, as soon as I hear those notes, like I'm immediately transported to those to those times of watching the films, and it was always really interesting. You know, we had probably a solid ten years there where we were going in and watching a new Harry Potter film yeah. every every other year. And it would be, you know, the opening scene would happen and then ever so slowly you would hear a Hedwig's theme creep in yeah. and it would just be, that would be when, like, the excitement for me would kick in because it would be like, it's actually happening and we're actually watching the movie. Yeah. So that's why I had to had to pick that one well, um, at the top of my list. It is. It's like, it really does transport you back to our childhood. I guess, like... Another one that kind of gives me the same feeling or the same sort of like chills when I hear it, because no matter what, like if I hear that, and I'm sure when we play it back and do the edit, yeah. I will have chills <laughs> listening to that. The Avengers one. Yes, yeah. That's another one that kind of hits pretty hard because I guess like it's used in those pivotal moments whereas with mm. with the Harry Potter one it's more of like you know it's the introduction or it's like that feeling of okay we're yeah. in it now we're ready let's go sort of and feeling. And I think as well it's always really interesting when we talk a bit more about you know scores yeah. in film as opposed to you know soundtracks using existing songs is those little motifs that come back yeah. um, throughout the film yeah. and that definitely happens in Harry Potter as well. So yeah. Well, that's really another thing too because to it's part of a they were, group yeah. of movies so yes. yeah it's like that callback a feeling like, yeah. like you said going back and watching a movie every year or so. Um, yeah. And kind of getting back into it, like transporting back into a world that you're familiar with, but it's a whole new sort of. Yeah. Story. Like, I remember it being a thing as well, like where you'd be in the cinemas to see something else mm. and the trailers would come on <laughs> yeah. and you'd hear that. Because you know how in trailers, it always takes you a minute to figure out what it's a trailer for. And they would often use the theme in the trailer and I would just you like know straight away because it was like so exciting yeah this was you know the days before YouTube so we didn't see trailers on no YouTube. like we had, had to, to go, go to the cinema, cinema. <laughs> to, see, to see trailers yeah. oh, those were the days those but, were the yeah. days 
you know and just like such a beautiful piece as well like so haunting so like I don't know I just love it so no for sure I love it too it's like <laughs> it's iconic to our childhood and like you said although all that other stuff has happened which is yes you know it's a shame really because of how important yeah. it was but it was a cultural phenomenon I guess yeah. it's sort of like what people feel like with maybe Star Wars and yeah Lord of the Rings you know Choose your Star own fantasy. Wars, another another iconic theme. Yeah, like there's there's just so many, so many yeah. that we won't get to talk about today. I know we're gonna be here forever. I know. What have you got? So uh, first on your yeah, list. Yeah, my first one is I would say one of my favorite films of all time. And I get and I've just looked at my list. and I thought, oh my god, what I've done is basically picked my top three directors with you know the exception of Alfred Hitchcock but anyway the first one I have picked is The World's End which was a sci-fi comedy released in 2013 directed by Edgar Wright most people would probably maybe know this film but just for reference it's about five friends who return to their hometown to fulfill their epic pub crawl left incomplete 20 years ago (laughs) um and as they're doing this and trying to relive their like young adulthood they are burdened with the task of saving the world so it's like an alien invasion sort of film but done in classic Edgar Wright fashion so the film also has a great score done by Stephen Price, who did Attack the Block and Gravity, which obviously both in the sci-fi genre. So it was great that he did World's End um, mm-hmm. because it sort of had that feeling of, I guess, like a sci-fi score, but wasn't obnoxious. You know, I'm not a massive fan of the sci-fi genre, to be honest, but this is like a, it's it's a totally different sort of in the in a different sort of genre of sci-fi but um the soundtrack itself is a selection of british rock pop and rap sort of tracks all released between 1987 and 93 specifically um so inherently there's a sense of nostalgia to this film because it is a group of friends reliving that moment in time and so the playlist itself is really inspired by edgar wright and i think simon pegg had a lot to do with it as well who is the main actor in the film um, because they're all songs that they grew up with. So it's got like a really great nostalgic sort of soundtrack um, with bands like Blur, The Stone Roses. um, And Edgar Wright has an incredible way of having a soundtrack that's really connected to the plot points, you know, to the point where like some of the songs are even named like – Happy Hour, which is sort of going, yeah. you know, in that same vein as like a pub crawl. There's two musical moments that I kind of wanted to talk about. The first mm-hmm. one is um, a song called Loaded by Primal Scream, which is the opening title sequence um, where Simon Pegg's character sort of has this light bulb moment to reunite his we friends. And we want to have a good time. And that's what we're going to do. Away, baby, let's go. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have a party. Um, And it's like this great camera pan in close up and, you know, the song's playing over it, which is almost like it sums up Gary as a character. So that's a really great sort of musical moment where we have like a visual introduction to all the other main characters in the film. And it's just like a classic case of you don't need three pages of dialogue to introduce a character sort of thing, which is classic Edgar Wright. Um, But the second one that I wanted to talk about was... Um, Step Back in Time by Kylie Minogue, which 
Kylie oh. coming in with the mentions in our last episode and this episode. But um, again, the title of the song sums up Simon Pegg's character, Gary's mission to go back in time. Mm-hmm. And at this point, they're super drunk. Like, if you haven't watched the movie, this is sort of out of context. But yeah, it's sort of a moment where they're in like this haze of trying to get through the night, trying to survive. And they've basically just sculled you know, eight pints and whatever. And (laughs) I reckon it's so funny watching this film because it's like if I had had seven pints and a round of shots and I walked into a club that was playing a disco remix of Step Back in Time by Kylie Minogue, I probably also would have forgotten that there was an alien invasion about to, like, obliterate humanity. (laughs) I mean, I guess so, probably. And I would 100% be on that dance floor, so. Yeah. That's like one of my favourite sort of moments in the film. But Edgar's movies have such a focus on music, especially with Scott Pilgrim, because I think I think he had just done Scott Pilgrim before this um, and obviously Baby Driver and yes. Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. Like all these movies have great soundtracks. Yeah, the Baby Driver soundtrack is great. Yeah, I basically spun a bottle to be like, which one am I going to pick? Because you could really talk about any of them. So, yeah, that's that's my first one. That's probably like... When I think of great soundtracks, it was the first one that sort of came to mind for me. Just just the way that he does it, there's so much to dissect from his movies, um, yeah. you know, like, and to be inspired by, I suppose, as well. That is a great choice. I have not seen that movie, but... So good. I need to add it. I mean, I've just I got think... this this never-ending list of movies that I need to I watch, know. but like you were saying before, the rewatch uh, <laughs> appeal oh. is just too hard to resist sometimes. I know, I know. And this is one that I've rewatched. I don't even want to say. Yeah. <laughs> Hundreds <laughs> An of embarrassing times. amount. Um, oh, what have dude. you got next? Well, now this one like almost breaks the rules around not having a movie musical, but it kind of, in the original film version, I think is probably uh, a little bit less so. But in uh, 1984, which is mm-hmm. the uh, year my parents got married, congrats to them. The film Footloose was released, obviously starring uh, Kevin Bacon, um, talking about, you know, the town where dancing was banned and no one yes. could have any fun. Now, so random. obviously the title track, Footloose, absolute banger, absolute dance floor filler. Now I gotta cut loose, footloose. in Australia but I think in parts of the US there's like specific line dancing that's associated oh, really? uh, with Footloose kind of like I guess how we have the have the nutbush um, right everyone's got kind of thing but, <laughs> yeah. but it's different in different areas so don't assume mm. that one Footloose dance in one place is going to be the same as in another but beyond the title track I was looking into this today during research for the episode and there are so many good songs like you've got Bonnie Tyler with Holding Out for a Hero and oh. like Let's Hear It for the Boy and uh, so Hurts so good by I think it's John Mellencamp like yeah it is and now I'm just realizing why my mum yeah exactly like so many bangers I was listening I've put together a Spotify playlist of my picks today and I was listening to it earlier and it's good eh? just so many bangers and so like quintessentially 80s and like you can absolutely like obviously these come at you know pivotal moments in the film especially the title track with the whole you know 
dancing is banned thing. Um, yeah. But it's just, like, so of its time. Like, you know, artists like Bonnie Tyler as well, like, so iconically 80s. Yeah. But it really does drive the story and makes it so much more vibrant with the use of these songs. Like, yeah. I'm sure there is so... Like, imagine seeing Footloose in the cinema for the first time. Oh, my and God. Like, like, it would have been... Like Insane. you would have been singing those songs for days, like oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it really, you know, brings a whole other element to the story. I think they've yeah used it in a really great way, but also makes it vibrant. It makes it really eighties, but in the best possible way. Like mm. you know, yeah, it just made it timeless. Like it's still twenty twenty one, and we're talking about Footloose. Like I remember a few years ago, it's probably maybe five or six years ago now, but when uh, Kevin Bacon was on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. And he did, like, a Footloose intro like, yes. with full choreography and stuff. Like, it's just one of those songs that has never gone away. And it absolutely no. should not because it's a banger. Like, I remember them doing it on Glee. Like, it's just, it's a whole thing. So I just I, had to I think they did it. a remake too, didn't they? With yeah, they did a remake Julian of the movie Huff. as well with Julian Huff. So it's kind of lived on and been reintroduced to new generations and all that kind of stuff. But just, it was really hard to pick. Um, a favorite song. It's, it is hard to go past Footloose, but yeah, you know, like watching that movie is like going to a concert. Like there's just so many yeah, great the music songs. is like that. Yeah, and because it's kind of like it's not trying to be anything else but eighties. You yes. know, like some films try and like oh, like we'll pull some inspiration from here and here. I'm sure there's like a bunch of songs that maybe aren't from the eighties, but you can, there, there's something about listening to that soundtrack and going, okay, that is so eighties. Yeah, and there doesn't get much more of an 80s movie than like Footloose mm. or like a John Hughes film you know like that it'll go down in history as like one of the most iconic sort of musical or non-musical musicals I guess yes. in a way yeah it was um, later became a stage musical um, right exactly my college, but my college performed it as their musical one year so that was good oh fun. really yeah oh, so good the music's so good well, yeah that's now. the thing like it's so much fun to like I wasn't in that musical I just went to watch as an audience member but it's so fun yeah. to go to shows like that because you know that the songs are great like exactly it's gonna you be what you're getting time. into well, my next one is a 90s movie, but mm-hmm. it has 80s elements in it. So I guess that's a nice little segue. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Reservoir Dogs was released in 1992, obviously directed by Quentin Tarantino. And it's a crime action drama. And it was actually Tarantino's debut feature film. Oh. But yeah, which is interesting. It's It's really the cornerstone, I guess, for his career because it has so many of his iconic motifs like the violent crime that runs throughout <laughs> Just, all know, of his classics, movies really all of his like brutal yeah brutal sort of <laughs> yeah he is yeah he is unbelievable really <laughs> so it's interesting because it came before obviously pulp fiction and i think it gained a lot of success after pulp fiction came out yeah, it's like right. one of those ones where people went back and were like oh mm-hmm. i see what he was doing in pulp fiction because of this so yeah the the soundtrack itself has songs from the 60s to the 80s which is really interesting because I think that they were it feels like almost like a 50s film yeah inspired by a lot of like classic sort of Mm -hmm. movies of that time but it's it should be confused it's like one of those ones that on paper it looks like it shouldn't work but it does you know yeah um but I think the reason why it works so well is because the structure of the soundtrack is weird Mm -hmm. um but in a good way in a Tarantino way I guess yeah um because the film takes place over a weekend and it's a heist gone wrong essentially a jewelry heist gone wrong and Tarantino decided to set 
the soundtrack to a fictional radio station ah. called K Billy. So yeah. what's really interesting is because you know like R and B Fridays is a yes. thing. Yeah. Like these themed weekend shows or themed yeah. day shows. Um, he created this fictional show called K Billy Super Sounds of the Seventies. Right. So it was themed with obviously seventies songs. So there's a couple of like really iconic. 70s songs that's used within it so like the opening title sequence is little green bag by george baker selection which is iconic with the slow-mo like freeze frame sort of thing there's a great point of view sort of shot in the back of the car and when the car turns on hooked on a feeling by blue suede starts playing um as a part of that weekend broadcast but really the most iconic and my favorite part of them part of the movie which is probably I would say most people's, if you love this film, is when Michael Madsen's character, Mr. Blonde, has a police officer bound and gagged, essentially. And he's unhinged at this point because everything's gone wrong and he Mm. decides that he needs some music to go along with his torturing. So he turns on the radio and Stuck in the Middle with You by Steeler's (laughs) Wheel starts playing. (laughs) Amazing. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle. It's so good. It's all shot in one sequence um, with the music timed perfectly. And so he's kind of grooving along to the song and he's wielding a knife and he cuts the guy's ear off. He walks out of the warehouse and gets a jerry can of petrol and comes back in perfectly synced to the music all yeah. in one shot and you're like this guy's about to set this man on fire yeah <laughs> what he's is got, he's got he's got some great tunes to you know yeah carry just all, it. yeah just steal as wheel playing in the background like as you do and it's like that perfect contrast to the on-screen violence and drama and you know it's just such a great choice because if you chose something darker the whole scene would be obviously incredibly different yes um and it's like a perfect case of making something so horrific really light-hearted yeah that's crazy um but you know what was interesting when i was reading that pitchfork article that i mentioned before the lady karen she was talking about how she was on the phone begging Steeler's wheel to let them use the song like she Mm. hadn't even got the job to be the music supervisor on the movie and one of the members of Steeler's wheel was super religious yeah and didn't want his song used in a scene where a guy gets his ear sliced off yeah um fair enough (laughs) <laughs> um, so that was kind of a fun thing to find out about the film, you know, like, yeah, I love Tarantino. I feel like I read so much, but there's always more to learn, you know, but he's a genius. Like the music he uses once upon a time in Hollywood, his sort of more, more recent release was incredible as well. Just music throughout his movies have changed, you know, pop culture, really. Like yeah. a lot of those songs are, you know, ingrained in in the 90s sort of yeah. movie industry. so Yeah, and I think that sort of speaks to, you know, the broader role of if this was one of my media classes I was teaching mm. or the stuff that you studied at uni, like, you know, it's, it speaks to the broader role of music and sound in a film yeah. and how it's, you know, part of the cast. Like it makes such, yeah. can make such an impact on what's happening on the screen and the viewing experience that it can be really powerful and super iconic. So I think that's yeah. definitely... Definitely the case here. Yeah, a masterclass in all of that. Yes. And, like, also bringing pop culture into a film too. Like, yeah. a lot of the times I think there's a couple of our honourable mentions that does that, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, yeah, yeah he just is able to sort of know exactly what needs to be added to a film to make it something that, you know, maybe people haven't seen before. So, yeah. 
yeah, definitely a visionary of our time. <laughs> Absolutely. Quentin Tarantino, because if he needs any more accolades. Yeah, if anyone hasn't heard of him, like feel free to yeah. check him out thanks to our wreck on the pod. He's pretty, not really that well known. Um, super <laughs> exactly. indie director. I know, oh, never been dear. mentioned Well, before. we're taking a bit of a tack away from Tarantino now. <laughs> yes, I love it. So my next choice, it was really hard. Um, it's from a franchise and it was really hard to choose which film in the franchise to select because all of them have excellent soundtracks. Yeah. Um, but I had to go for the original uh, Shrek film, which was released in 2001, 20 years ago. Oh, my, oh God. my God. But that soundtrack, I mean... Smash Mouth obviously really came to the fore with All Star and I'm a Believer. And then we had, you know, contrasting like the beautiful version of uh, Hallelujah by Rufus, <laughs> Rufus Wainwright. And then, you know, the Proclaimers with I'm On My Way for that great <laughs> montage of oh, Shrek and iconic. Donkey uh, making their journey to the, to the castle. It's just one of those ones. And like Shrek 2 as well, we were talking about before with um, oh. Accidentally in Love by Counting Crows holding out for, it's, it's holding out for a hero, isn't it? Or is yeah, it, as, yeah, yeah, that's it. As yeah. well, um, and Live in La Vida Loca. There's a whole like karaoke post credit <laughs> scene that Simon Cowell is involved in in so Shrek 2. Weird. That's so weird, but so good. I mean, it's very, you know, of the time with, yeah. the, with the Smash Mouth stuff, but the use of Hallelujah and, you know, I'm on my way by the Proclaimers, I really feel like they appealed to a lot of, it was like a multi generational appeal oh, totally. um, in Shrek which I always appreciate when they do that with kids films because a lot of the time it's parents that are taking kids along to see them or they're being played at home so I think it's always yeah. good when they are able to incorporate music from different generations and for this film I guess it was kind of fun to see you know pop songs or popular culture songs inserted into a what is essentially a fairy tale story yeah um like you know obviously i don't think they have you know the radio in the universe (laughs) that's Um, true yeah i always remember because they have karaoke in the second movie so there must be some sort of way that's right that's what i mean like when (laughs) i don't know what's going on with the shrek canon but (laughs) well i don't know like i wonder i wonder how that all fits in but it's such a i guess shrek in a way is kind of like a bit of a fever dream yeah exactly it's not quite like well it's definitely not based in reality that's no for sure. like it's just one of those movies where and i guess you get that with like a dreamworks yes animation. sort of film you don't yeah. get that with the disney stuff because it's all obviously like original yeah sort of soundtrack yeah shrek god i just you know so many people love shrek yes and that's what's incredible about it like i know so many people who love that shrek 2 soundtrack well As well, I was looking up, like, this Shrek 1 soundtrack got to, like, number two in the charts. Like, it was was really popular. (laughs) Because it used, like you said, it used songs that were in pop culture and people just latched onto it. Absolutely. So, you know, oh, my God, but All-Star. That's taken on, like, a whole life of its own. Yeah, it's like a full, like, meme song now. The Smash Mouth are iconic. Yes. And... Anyone who disagrees is lying to themselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to accept the truth. The 2000s, man. What a, yeah, what a, what what a, a time. So I just had to, like, I don't know what, I'm leaving it up to you to pick whatever song. Oh, it's got to be All Star. I feel like it's got to be All Star. Because you just remember, and as well, All Star is in like the opening scene of Shrek as well. Like it's right at yeah. the start of the movie. It's that you know, introduction. Like, hey now, you're an All Star. Get your game on, go play. 
thing and it's just yeah have such vivid memories of seeing that movie for the first time and hearing that song and just being I wonder like, I wonder how they feel about that it's like with the Counting Crow song like I can't not hear Accidentally in Love and not think of Shrek yes <laughs> right that's... like how do they feel about that association you mean yeah I do wonder yeah because it, but it is so great it's like well all I of guess these movies it's are really ingrained of, it's it's similar to um giving a tv show permission to use yeah. your song as a theme song like I was thinking the other day because I worked a production of the Carol King Tapestry uh, show Mm. and I was thinking about like obviously Carol King has so many iconic songs but for me like one of my first memories of a Carol King song is the Gilmore Girls theme. Yeah. So you know I think that's really interesting. We can do a whole other episode on TV TV songs. Yeah that would be really cool. But I think we're Thank God we didn't open it up to TV bloody soundtracks. Have we already done TV theme songs? We have haven't I think we've done TV theme songs, but we I think soundtracks, soundtracks could be interesting yeah. too. Music in TV shows, we can. Yeah, we've talked about that. I think with part of our teen dramas episode because there are so many uh, teen dramas that have great music in them. But yeah, it's For just sure. it's just interesting to yeah, like you said, think about you know music supervisors contacting bands to like yeah. beg them because you can imagine that for particular directors like a Tarantino or whoever. You go into it having a vision of the song when you're writing the scene or when you're plotting it out, you know, and then yeah. if you can't get that song, it changes the whole meaning in a way. So it'd be yeah. really interesting to kind of get more insight well, into and that Well, and that's process. what's so interesting about that article because she sort of, sort of talks about that, like, the process of getting it done and sort of, like, where you leave out that cutting the ear off <laughs> sort of yeah. detail. You yeah. know, like, it's it's kind of it's, – it's really interesting. But, um, yeah, Shrek. It was on my list too, like I said to you before we started recording. It's just so – yeah, I would say probably one of the mo- most sort of iconic animated movies of our of our era. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. So, oh, so good. It was really hard to choose between Shrek 1 and Shrek 2. Um, <sighs> Just you just lump them together because so that really, they, really, they I'm kind of kind of choosing both. Um, yeah. to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, my next one and the last of my top three is actually a another 2000s film. So, The Life Aquatic with Steve Sisu was released in 2004, and it's a comedy drama adventure film. Directed and co-written by Wes Anderson. Ah, um, yes. I was wondering when he was going to show up. <laughs> I know. He always, he has to be in here. Like I said, these are like three of my top four favourite directors of all time. So, yeah. And obviously Wes Anderson's films, well, he's known for his like distinctive visual and yeah. narrative styles. And, you know, in my opinion, is sort of like the modern day example of an auteur, I guess, and will be looked at as someone who is, you know, one of the most influential directors of our time. Mm -hmm. So um, there's no one like him. And that's why I guess he kind of stood out to me when I was making this shortlist, (laughs) because as I said, he's one of my favorite directors. And although he has like that distinctive style, he also has a sense of like creativity that knows no bounds. It feels like Like, whenever you see a new Wes Anderson film, you're like, okay, I know that's Wes, but it's so different. Every single film he does is so different. Yeah. Um, 
And, you know, that movie is exactly that. It's like, it's so quirky. And I think it gained a lot of criticism when it came out, which, you know, I know everything's subjective when it comes to filmmaking, yes. but like, <laughs> it is so good. It's my favorite Wes Anderson film. And one of the reasons why I love it so much is because of the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, so that's why I had to pick it. It's whimsical, it's emotive, and it just goes perfectly along with that visual style of Wes. And Mark Mothersbaugh, who was a member of Devo, I think, composed a score. Uh, yeah. yeah, so, it, you know, Devo, Wes Anderson, it makes sense, doesn't it, really? Like, in terms of quirkiness. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it also has a, I guess, kind of like a rock theme. Like, it has David Bowie, the Zombies, Iggy and the Stooges as sort of that soundtrack yeah. To go along with the score. And so the musical moment that stands out to me is the end scene um, where Steve, who, you know, a bit of background, like he had been making a documentary and his documentary partner was killed by the shark. And so that sort of sets Steve and his crew off on an expedition to hunt it down and blow yeah. it up essentially. And yeah. so... Just, yeah, just it's so weird. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I. It's like a revenge story, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Um. And so there's this beautiful scene at the end. Anyone who knows the film will know this scene. It's like him sitting in the Bellafonte, which is the submarine, with his crew, finally coming face to face with the jaguar shark that killed his friend Estevan, <laughs> and a song called "Staring Elf," which that's the English translation. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, by the Icelandic band Sigur Ross, um, is playing again. Very typical Wes Anderson, yeah. um, niche niche market, um, and it's just sonically ambient, orchestral, beautiful for that moment. of it's very melancholy I guess and like there's he's obviously emotionally torn between this beautiful creature that killed his friend and his whole motivation for being out there is to kill this thing but he just can't bring himself to do it also they'd already used all the dynamite so yeah right they couldn't blow it up anyway but there's this beautiful like beautiful moment where all of the crew um, put their hand on his shoulder and this song is playing and it's just It's just so beautiful. It's like one of those movies where, you know me, I cry at the drop of a hat at every movie (laughs) and this is definitely one of those. So, yeah, had to to put Life Aquatic on there, not only because it's one of my favourite films but because, you know, it's just – it's such a beautiful soundtrack mixed in with, you know, some really fun rock songs. Yeah. But, yeah, so that's that's the third one that I wanted to sort of point out. Have you finished your top three? Yes, I finished my top three. I forgot to say that before. So now we're on to some honourable mentions. (gasps) Exciting. Um, What have you got? Well, the first one is a soundtrack that is really, like, it's what, I mean, it's one of the most iconic films definitely of our teen years, I would have to say, but it's one of those soundtracks that really also sums up the period. Um, (laughs) Yes. So in 2004, Mean Girls was released, obviously, uh, screenplay written by uh, Tina Fey, who was also in the movie alongside uh, Lindsay Lohan and Rachel McAdams. And it was just, you know, one of those 
classic teen films that really became iconic and I'm sure has spawned many a Halloween costume over the years. Oh, yeah. And is now a Broadway musical, so I'm sure the music in that is maybe similar but maybe a bit different uh, to the songs on the soundtrack. But there are so many songs in here I want to talk about. But Milkshake by Khalees, which is obviously Mm -hmm. playing when the girls go over to (laughs) Regina's house for the first time and her little sister is learning some music video moves from the TV. So good. Um, God is a DJ by Pink is in there as well. I'm pretty sure that's in like some sort of montage scene. Jingle Bell Rock goes without saying. Um, Again, when we talk about Halloween costumes, (laughs) that would definitely be up there. Yes, of course. uh, The Plastic's iconic performance of Jingle Bell Rock, um, unfortunately encountering a... A skipping CD. That's not a problem you'd have in 2021. A CD skipping during a I performance. I know. What is that? Oh, God. Kids these days don't know how good they have it. Exactly. Um, and then from a, the uh, similar talent show uh, performance, you have obviously the uh, cover of Beautiful by Christina Aguilera so uh, that Damien performs, which oh, again, Damien. iconic. Don't look at me. <laughs> so I am beautiful. Every single way, yes, words can bring me down. Just bring me down today. And he does really well. It's such a good performance. Oh, it's perfect. And it then, is perfection. And then also from that same talent show performance. What an iconic scene. I had to include the mathlete rap. With Kevin G. I don't play like Shaq. You'll know it was me. Because the next time you see her, she'll be like, oh, Kevin G. Thank you, Kevin. That's enough. Happy holidays, everybody. What a movie. What honestly. a movie. And also just in the space of that scene, you've got yeah. like half the great songs on the soundtrack. So honestly. So many things that are iconic about Mean Girls. And I'm sure yeah. there are many a thing in it that are probably problematic and haven't aged well. But... These songs, Jingle Bell Rock. how you look at it, I guess. God is a DJ and Milkshake as well. Just so, like, God is a DJ. I was listening to it I know. such I, a good I, song. I, love I cannot believe you've put that there because it's like, I haven't thought about that song in so long. Yeah. But it's so good. And also one that I definitely would associate with Mean Girls. So yes. that's a really good sort of gem. Yes. Within that soundtrack, yeah, I'm glad sure. that I was able to. Uh, yeah, when yeah. when did my research this week? Oh, and I love I it. Pulled out a few. Not not saying I don't do Look my out. research every week, but this week in particular, because <laughs> it had to be multiple songs. I was yeah. l- looking through the list, um, and I was like, oh my god, these are all amazing. So, Mean yeah. Girls definitely had Incredible. to get an honorable mention. And then my second honorable mention is jumping back to more of a score based uh, mm-hmm. film soundtrack, but. When I was talking before about the opportunity to play um, some film soundtracks as part of my various uh, concert band geek years in my childhood and teenage years, Pirates of the Caribbean, that theme song, or Drink Up Me Hearties Yo-Ho, um, gets me going. Like, it's so good. once Because it, yeah. it's quite eerie, the way they use it in the film. And again, to talk about theme parks, like obviously the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disney is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and they've incorporated a lot of movie stuff into that because the ride came first before the film. So they kind of almost based the film oh. off the ride. Yeah. Um, I actually... I mean, I've seen Pirates of the Caribbean, yes. but it's probably the only one that I don't know. You know, like the that theme. I can't hear in my yeah. head, but Once... I'm, I'm sure I'll know it when I hear it. Yes. Um, um, I would yeah. sing it for you, but I don't want to subject everyone to that. But it really, once it gets going, it yeah. really, really goes. 
the way it moves, it is like a you know musician thing because you know clearly I'm such a professional. But the way it moves through the song is in it's almost like it's in waves, which I guess links to the you know the themes of the film because it just goes and then it goes and then it goes. Yeah. And I also this is a really random shout out, but a couple of seasons ago on the US version of Dancing with the Stars. Uh, Riker Lynch, who was uh, one of the warblers on Glee, he is Ross Lynch's older brother. Um, he was oh, in the band yeah. R Five. He was on Riker was on Dancing with the Stars, and he did a Paso Doble to Ooh, the Pirates cool. of the Caribbean theme, and he was dressed as Captain Jack Sparrow, and it was so cool. So definitely look that up on YouTube if you haven't seen it already. Caitlin, I'll yeah. send you the link because I think you'll really enjoy it. Please, um, yes. But yeah, it's one of those ones that really. I, when I think of yeah iconic movie soundtracks and themes, the Pirates of the Caribbean theme has to be up there. And then as well, you know, throughout the way that Hans Zimmer um, has uh, orchestrated these or scored these films is, you know, iconic and great. And, you know, because there's so much darkness, but there's also so much like jovial light moments in those movies as well. But yeah, so absolutely had to include that talking about movie soundtracks just for the theme because it's so No, good. I love that. And Hans is obviously iconic. Like yes. one of those... <laughs> composers who has been so influential on all of yeah the film industry and the way that yeah scores are done and yeah someone that I'm sure a lot of composers that we hear now are inspired by so yeah yeah love love Zimmer mention (laughs) so I have two honorable mentions as well Mm -hmm. the first one I wanted to talk about was Atomic Blonde Mm -hmm. which is a 2017 spy thriller starring Charlize Theron Directed by David Leitch. It's his direct, uh, directorial debut, actually, which is interesting because I think he was a producer on John Wick. So yeah, right. So kind of had a bit of experience sort of doing um, – actually, you know what? I think he may have been a stuntman oh. now that I think about it. Anyway, interesting. I think – well, fact check that. I'm yeah. Sure, maybe I'm <laughs> check wrong. that before but we I put it in the edit. <laughs> yeah, he had something to do with the stunts. He might have been a stunt coordinator or yeah. something like that. But what drew me to this – um, to going to see this film in the mm-hmm. cinema, which I'm so glad I went to the cinema to see it, you know, other than my obsession with James McAvoy. <laughs> I, I love the Cold War sort of time period um, that it was depicting. Yeah. And obviously the movie takes place on the eve of the Berlin Wall collapsing. Mm. Um, yeah. It's really interesting sort of period of time. And so the soundtrack used a combination of those 80 songs by artists like The Clash, again, David Bowie, <laughs> Flock of Seagulls, um, as well as covers of them, which added sort of like that contemporary 80s inspired feel to it. I guess because they were set out to make something that wasn't your typical spy film. I mean, already having a female led spy film is kind yeah. of cool anyway, but they sort of livened it up with that soundtrack. A band called Health did a cover of the New Order song, Blue Monday, which I think I'll put a clip of. That's probably the most iconic sort of song in it. I think it was used in the trailer. 
Um, and that really did suck me in as well to go see it because I love that song and I love new wave synth pop, which I think I've said a million times on this podcast. I <laughs> new never wave that, synth pop. I love I it. I never thought that that would be a genre that stood out, you know, when we did these yeah. episodes. But I also talked about one of the songs called De Commissar on a covers, on the mm-hmm. cover songs episode. Like it's one of my favorite songs of all time. And I didn't think that I would go into that film and come out with a new favorite song. Yeah. I just went to look at James McAvoy's butt. So it's a win-win. <laughs> happy to walk out with um a new sort of like soundtrack to listen to yeah and my last one which is a bit of a curveball from my other picks is a teen rom-com which i had to put this one on there absolutely i fully support and endorse this choice great i'm glad because then i when i saw you put mean girls in there i'm like perfect yeah (laughs) so 10 things i hate about you directed by gil junger it's a classic 90s early 2000s Kind of cheesy soundtrack. I had Wet Hot American Summer, American Pie, and John Tucker Must Die. That all rhymed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I had all of those on my shortlist. All great soundtracks. And again, they just incorporate pop culture references within the songs. Mm. Like most of the soundtrack, I think, let me look at the artists. So I guess most of the soundtrack is like alt rock scar. Yeah. I guess. Because it's semi-sonic, Save Ferris, The Cardigans, and Madness which is all, all they're really great sort of songs to have for a teen rom-com, you know. Yeah. But there's one musical moment in it that is iconic <laughs> and will go down in history as one of the greatest things ever. Uh, it's the um, Can't Take My Eyes Off You Serenade for Me. How he didn't win an Oscar for that. I mean, honestly. honestly. Absolute <laughs> outrage. Um, so obviously Cat played by the wonderful Julia Stiles being serenaded with that song by the beautiful... Heath Ledger. Like, can you imagine? What a oh. what a thing to be a part of. I love you, baby. And if it's quite alright, I need you, baby. To the lonely night, I love you, baby. Trust in me when I say. And so that really stole the show and stole my heart, I guess. And I was already like hook, line, and sinker for Heath Ledger at that point. I feel like because of the Knight's Tale, you know. So that is like one of my favorite sort of musical moments. Um, Yeah, yeah, just Um, so good. One of those iconic teen movie moments that goes down. Like, there's a author that I follow um, on Twitter named Jenna. Um, Guillaume, who does, she writes, um, she's an, a te- like a YA author, but she's also previously written for BuzzFeed and works on, uh, works for Netflix and that kind of thing. And she does uh, brackets. So like she does like a teen movie bracket where everyone votes in polls every day until oh, you get cool. down to the final round. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's done it for rom-coms and teen movies and all this kind of stuff. And whenever she's done a teen movie one, 10 Things I Hate About You always trumps the the bracket. Like everyone, really? I, even like across generations like it's just one of the most iconic movies and that you know and she's done them for like rom-coms and like teen movie like couples as well and like those characters always end up on top I think everyone roots for them and that performance I mean the charisma that Heath has in that movie and the chemistry between him and Julia Stiles is I would say unmatched honestly like I think so so great it's kind of an oversight actually in my um Oh, like when we talked about movies that like childhood movies yeah. or like movies that we loved growing up. Like that is one that I just I distinctly remember watching and literally falling in love with him. I was yeah. like obsessed with Heath yeah. Ledger. And so, yeah, it was just like 
it was just one of those films that really had an impact because Absolutely. he that was so cool. I mean, Cat as a character was like, I'm too cool for this sort of yeah. thing, which Feminist we can icon. all relate to. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, such a great movie. Who knows? It'll probably pop up in another episode somewhere down the track. Cause it Maybe is we'll just so do iconic. a whole episode about it. Just dedicate honest. scene by scene breakdown. Hey, yeah, exactly. why not? That would be a different format. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a couple that on my short list that I might just yeah. throw in. We've got a bit of Go time. For it. Um, Joker was one that I took off last minute. It, which yeah. was hard. I had to had to <laughs> had to be cut. Like I said, John Tucker Must Die, fantastic soundtrack for like a two mid two thousand sort of vibe. Yeah. Breakfast Club, don't forget about oh, me. Come iconic. on, yeah. Um, School of Rock, Priscilla <sighs> Queen of the Desert. Yes, yeah. Um, Submarine, which was the Richard Iwadi um, film uh, yep. that Alex Turner did the whole. Soundtrack four from Arctic Monkeys. Oh, that's a fun concept. That's yeah. the other thing I find really interesting about movie soundtracks. We were talking about the role before about, you know, the music supervisor and that kind of thing. Mm. But the level of collaboration that can go into them with well, that's a artists perfect... that aren't, you know, whether they're not, you know, like composers like a Hans Zimmer or John Williams, but they yeah. step sort of into that realm. That's like really obviously cool. Like Lin Manuel Miranda, who wrote the Broadway production or the stage productions of In the Heights and Hamilton, mm, yeah, um, then did the soundtrack for Moana, um, yes. and all that kind of stuff. So obviously that's a fairly similar because those are movie musicals. It's similar medium, but it's really interesting yeah. to watch different artists like you know an Alex Turner, who's been a recording artist his entire life or you know yeah. his entire career, to then step into that role of writing for another medium. And I guess you have a lot of songwriters that write for other artists. But to curate a whole... Yeah, yeah. and connecting it to a story and to characters in that way and, again, you know, using those motifs throughout the film and give to the story and all that kind of stuff. Just very interesting. Yeah, it's a this has been a really great topic, I think, to talk about. And, you know, there's there's so many more that we could talk about. Who knows? Maybe one day we could do like something that's more like specific in terms of genre. Who knows? Yes. Where we talk, yes. Like, go sort of in depth with that. But yeah, yeah, I think it was it was a nice one to sort of do a bit of research on and yeah, and like it was you said, a, reconnect with those movies. A fun one that brings movies and music together, similar yeah. to the movie musicals episode we did. Because often yeah. with our apps, we'll we'll stick to one or the other. So it's always yeah. fun when you can um, talk about the way that they whether that they kind of yeah sort of incorporate together and make movie magic as it were because yeah you know imagine films without soundtracks i know how, how boring <laughs> god what would we have references for i know <laughs> in exactly. our everyday life exactly oh so, nice absolutely well i think that brings us to the end of all of our all of our picks so if you have a movie soundtrack that you absolutely love and should have made the list, let us know. Find us over on Instagram at shoutoutoldme. You can leave us a voice message um, on Anchor, which is anchor.fm forward slash shoutout to the old me as well. Make sure to share the podcast if you enjoyed it. Thank you so much to everyone that has listened so far. This is, I know we don't like using the episode numbers in case we end up changing them, but this is episode 30. Oh, I yeah. Think. I'm so used to not mentioning the episode um, number, but I think we're safe here. I think we're safe (laughs) now. So episode 30, which is absolutely crazy. Um, We're almost, almost two listens away from having a thousand listens to the podcast, which is really, really cool. So thank you so much to everyone who has listened to the pod 
so far um, to anyone that shared it with anyone else, um, any friends that have enjoyed it. We have a lot of fun making it every week, so or every second week at the moment. You know, we yeah. have a lot of fun getting together to you know ramble on for an hour about our favorite whatever it is we're talking about yeah. that week. So thank you so much for your support. When we started making the pod, we didn't think anyone would ever listen to it, but we wanted no. to make it anyway because it would be a bit of fun, and it is a bit of fun. So the fact that people actually listen is just an added bonus so exactly <laughs> thank you to everyone is what we wanted to end on for this week but we'll be back again with another episode sometime soon so we will we'll see you then <laughs> all right we'll talk to you then goodbye bye